So what about all that evidence? Without Scarf to corroborate, that ledger is useless. Even the whole thing with Spurlock and the body's cottonmouth burned there won't stick. Spurlock is going to eat the charge and take the years. He won't testify. He'd be his own client. So that's it? Setbacks happen all the time. You can still do something about this. Why me? Because you're not afraid of Cottonmouth, and he's obviously afraid of you. What do you expect me to do? I try to do things the right way. Cops let him go. Cops can only do so much. You have the power to do more. Look at what's happening in Hell's Kitchen. You mean that cat running around beating people up? That's what you want me to be? Sometimes, if you want justice, you have to get it yourself. If Hell's Kitchen's so great, why did you run uptown? Why did you? There is nothing that can hurt you. So what the hell are you afraid of? Panels to Pixels, Luke Cage, Season 1, Episodes 7 and 8. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. So uh, we're talking about episode seven now, uh, Manifest. Uh, you yeah. want to talk us through it? Yeah, this is another one of those interesting episodes. This episode, it only covers like one day. Like if you if you were to actually clock it out with this one hour or 50 minute, whatever it was, episode. But it does show us some flashbacks into Mariah and Cornell as teenagers or as kids, at least. Cornell, uh, we do see that Cornell at the very beginning of the episode, he gets released from jail. Mariah's political career is basically over because of her relationship and her relationship to Cornell um, and to Mama Stokes, Mama Mabel Stokes. Uh, Cornell reveals what he knows to Luke, uh, to about Luke to Luke, which was an interesting conversation between the two of them where he reveals that he knows Carl Lucas. Uh, we do get a huge revelation about Mariah that reveals a lot about her character and about Cornell. In their their upbringing that that we're get into definitely in our top fives. Finally, Cornell seals his own fate when he has this confrontation with Mariah and he makes a statement that is just a horrible, horrible statement to make. And we see what the Judas bullet will do to Luke or can do to Luke. And that's I'm really glad we had these two episodes together because when we get into the next one, it was it was very easy to jump from this episode to to the next one but i think there's going to be a lot we're going to cover in our top five shades is finally back so we get to see more of him in this episode and uh, we're going to see some other things happen awesome we should take to our top five sweet christmas there you go why don't you go ahead and start since i just gave us our synopsis 
Cool. My number five would be Cottonmouth getting out of prison. Shows that he is an adversary of Luke. Uh, this is going to come to a point where Luke takes direct action with Cottonmouth. Yeah, and this this plays directly directly into my what my top five was, which was really we had all these resolutions at the end of the last episode, and then we get this quick turnaround from all the victories that we had. They all get turned around. That that song at the beginning is just is just great the way it is and then uh along with cottonmouth explaining that all the gangs are getting back together he's like even the koreans are happy but he still wants to eliminate luke he talks about the fact that the colombians got their guns back that he was able to get them from the cops and so it's, it's suddenly like all the things that were resolved my my number five is that all those things that were resolved in the last episode are just basically completely unraveled in the first like two minutes of this this episode you know cottonmouth gets out of jail uh we find out that that luke yeah it's just it was just a horrible thing i was just like great all the victories we just had have just been undone completely yeah definitely that was your five huh that was my five what is your four my number four would be cottonmouth setting up to meet up with luke at harlem's paradise what is he up to you know? Yeah, he sets up that parlay. He calls he calls Luke, and he specifically calls it a parlay. And I, I was really surprised that Luke kind of fell for it in a way. I mean, we know that it, that he doesn't actually. Well, no, he does go. Does he? Did he? <laughs> he does. I guess he does meet with him. He does. But they but they don't they don't really do a lot. They oh that's when when he tells that's when he tells Luke that he knows all about him. But he uh, you know Cottonmouth calls him for this parlay, and I was really surprised that Luke was was in agreement to it because what's the last thing the last time somebody agreed to have a parlay with Cottonmouth ended up getting pops killed mm. so I, I think it's really interesting that that he was uh, he went ahead and did that my number 4 is Claire telling Luke not to give up that whole conversation between them her saying uh, you know, that he can't be hurt and i wonder if that was a little bit of foreshadowing for what we see at the end uh, and you know she talks to Luke about how important he is to the story or how that that conversation is very important to the story to keep him going because he's ready to quit, especially after Cottonmouth tells him that unless he works for Cottonmouth, he's going to send him back to Seagate. He's ready to quit. And uh, Claire is kind of able to bring him back. And so we see her becoming a real integral part. I think I mentioned that in the last episode of the episode before that she really has become this is she has interjected herself into this story yeah definitely my number three would be uh cottonmouth's history especially where he and mariah the councilwoman came from and why they are doing what they are doing it was family-based like the mob you know the mob of harlem and there's a lot of history in that uh i really liked it because it opened up a lot a whole new world to us you know yeah. yeah and and that's kind of exactly what my number f- my number 2 is is that this whole Mariah Cornell backstory that that and I I'm going to read this the way I wrote it because it, I was very specific as children what happened to both of them was completely evil it was sickening for both of them it was sickening what was happening to Mariah it was sickening what Mabel was doing to Cornell but as adults though they have had the chance to change and they have not done that. No. And and so we see this idea of is there going to be any redemption 
for them. And I think, unfortunately, because we know they are not the heroes of this story, or they are not the they are not our um, you know they're not our protagonists, they're our antagonists. We are not going to get any kind of redemption from them. But I really felt myself uh, feeling bad for them, at least as children, because Mama Mabel really created this in them in in the way she talked and the way she treated Cornell and the fact of not letting him play his music and telling him to go with Uncle Pete to go beat up the one kid outside and then and then to the tragedy of him killing Pete uh, at the towards the end of the episode you know is is just horrible what happened to them as children is unforgivable but now as adults they have not taken the chance to to redeem themselves, to kind of pull themselves out of that. They've, like you said, they're the mob family, and they're they're going to do that. What is it in the next episode? Shades is going to talk to Mariah about the fact that you know it used to be if you needed something in the neighborhood, you went to Mama Mabel. If your dad was beating up on you, you went to Mama Mabel. If yeah. you know if something if you were being bullied, if something was happening, whatever, you went to Mama Mabel. And it's like. Cottonmouth was created in that environment, and and so it's 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 very tragic. Um, but my number three is is Shades himself working kind of behind the scenes, and you know he sees that there's a future with Mariah, and that Diamondback is unraveling from the point, and, and you can see the wheels start to turn in Shades' head when. Cottonmouth tells him that he revealed to Luke all the stuff he knew. And Shades was like, Diamondback didn't want you to do that. Diamondback's got plans for him. And you could tell that that Shades was starting to see that, okay, you know, his this is not this is not gonna go the way he wants it to, and he needs to kind of manipulate things. And and I think I wonder if that was another little bit of foreshadowing for the end in the next episode where we're going to see him really manipulate things to get Mariah under his thumb and to get rid of Cornell. So mm. that was basically your number two, right? That my number two matched your number three. So that was my number three. So we are at your number two. Oh, okay. <laughs> All Claire trying to talk sense into Luke at the barbershop. You know, she she sees the good in him and what he's doing for the community. It kind of is similar to what you were saying before. With your uh, what was it, number four? Yeah, my number four is the same as your. Is similar to your number two. Yeah, Just right. that whole interaction between them in the barbershop where she she sees that he can actually do something. Yeah, and, 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 and he wanted to give up, and, you know, she was trying to talk him out of it. Basically because, honestly, she sees this in all the people she's encountered, you know. She's she's already seen Matt Murdock. She's mm-hmm, already exactly. seen Matt Jessica Jones, and, you mm-hmm. know. So now, Luke. Yeah, yeah. What does he say? They have that whole conversation where he says, you mean that guy, or she says, did you see what's happening in Hell's Kitchen? And she's obviously she's talking about Daredevil and because he says that guy beating up everybody. And uh, and then she says, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking. And he says, well, what are you doing uptown now? Why don't you go back there? And we kind of get this same idea that they've both moved. I don't know where where was Jessica Jones. What was her kind of was it the, the Bronx? Area? Yeah, the area that she was in. Was she in the Bronx? Because they're in Harlem. Mm hmm. Uh, Daredevil is in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. 
Punisher is kind of was kind of all over, kind of Hell's Kitchen, but kind of yeah, like Midtown Manhattan and all mid, over the place. Yeah, what was what was Jessica Jones? Was she more Manhattan? I guess she was more Manhattan kind yeah, of more Manhattan area, based. area. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're we're seeing that the different boroughs kind of have their own hero. Uh, yeah, hero, hero. So I think that's that's kind of interesting, hmm. interesting thing. I think that will lead us to my number one. Mm-hmm. Which is that fight there at the end? I kind of alluded to it earlier between Cottonmouth and Mariah, where he he says that thing about that she wanted it, and you can see that 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 just set her off to the point where no, I didn't want to be abused. I didn't want to ha- what happened to me to happen. And you where they could have the two of them could have found some common ground to grow. As I said before, they could have grown into better people by finding this common ground of we're not going to become the people that that we've been molded to be. We're going to break out of that mold. She, they both kind of fall into it, where he he becomes really the nasty kind of verbally abusive in a way, and she responds to that, and it makes me wonder how much shades kind of pushed that to happen. Because he seems so ready there at the end, especially in the next episode, to swoop in and and fix everything and, and get everything tidied up. And it almost seemed like he was ready, that he knew Cornell was going to say something that was going to set her off. Because he kept saying to her things like, uh, I don't know, I think it's in the quotes uh, about her having something, that something is going to happen with her. So yeah, that fight between them is just epic. And then she it was a complete surprise to me. I said this on another podcast that I, I sent a voicemail to. <laughs> it's it's amazing me how much these shows are surprising me and how these writers are because I did not see that coming. When he, when she pushed him out the window mm-hmm. and he landed on the floor, I didn't see that coming completely. I was just like, What? And like jaw on the floor. Yep, yep. And Actually then, I, I did that the second viewing because I you know, I haven't watched this in a while, not since it came mm-hmm. out. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> okay, again. And it's like I remembered yeah. it in some way, and I was like, oh, what the, what the <laughs> yeah. world is yeah. happening, you know? Yeah, exactly. It really, it just it just surprised me. I did not see that coming at all. And, and then especially for her to go downstairs. And I think we're going to see something interesting because there's a line, I think it's in the next episode actually, where, where Misty says something about make sure, you know, look at all the pictures of everything that took place. I want to know if if there's a music if there's a mic stand out of place if there's anything and she used if i remember correctly mariah yeah, used yeah, a mic stand yeah. to to bash his head in yep. and then and then well we'll talk about this in the next episode but then shades used his fist to try to mimic like that it was that it was luke that did it yep. so i wonder if that mic stand is going to be missing and if that's going to come into play later on i don't know I, I just I, – I'm not sure if that's even going to be brought up or, or what because uh, the next of the next episode. So uh, what was your number one? Uh, basically as a whole, you know, the, uh, the history of everyone coming out within this episode between Luke mm-hmm. and, and the police not knowing anything of him but Cottonmouth knowing because of Shades, you know, you, you know Shades spilling the beans about, you know, you know Luke – and then yeah. the history of Cottonmouth and Mariah, that coming out and seeing where their history was and how he was kind of forced into this. He had, like, a wanting to go into music and everything. 
Yeah. And then uh, she was kind of forced into the books of everything. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, they were force fed this whole mob mentality. And then he he was at the end with him being young and crying and having to shoot that gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had in my notes that that whole thing of of Mariah saying family first so often. And then we get to see. Uh, that that's what Mom Mabel says to her at the end of the episode. Yep. Is she says family first. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. Did you have any quotes that jumped out at you? Yeah, Luke says, "Do I need to say anything?" As he I love reveals that. himself to the thugs, and he, you know, I thought that was so cool. It's like he just shows up behind them. They're like, "Oh, yeah," and that's like and they a, all... <laughs> it's a typical comic book scare. It's like, "Oh no, yeah. he's here!" <laughs> and, they run. and they all just they all just go running, and Zip just is like, "All right, fine, it's another." And Except and Zip leaves. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he talks to him for a few minutes, and then uh, it's kind of similar to what happens when he goes to the Colombians, and he says, "I'm I'm about I'm about sick of having to buy new clothes," and then he takes the hoodie from the Colombian gym. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> you had one too, right? I did. Uh, yeah, when they're talking at the beginning, Luke says to Cottonmouth that you won't turn me in. You ain't no snitch, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I've already mentioned the one about. Uh, Shade saying that Diamondback has got plans for Luke. Uh, that's that's another one of those ones that uh, interesting, interesting. What was that that, that last one there? You got about Shades. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, oh, uh, I think when all right, uh, Shades goes. I think when you get the nerve, you will be surprised. Hmm. Shades thinks that she will do something that will happen for the benefit uh, for what you know Copmouth is doing. So I, I think he's able to turn somebody or just use something against somebody to get them to yeah, do what he needs to. I, I think it comes down to what we were talking about earlier. I think it was really he saw the handwriting on the wall. He knew that Mariah is going to be the one to kind of take over this. He saw Cornell unraveling, and so he he looks at Mariah, and he's kind of trying to give her the encouragement of, I know you're going to do something. When you get the nerve, something will happen. You know, and I, I really like that idea that Shades is kind of working behind the scenes. And like I said, we're going to see more of that in the in the next episode, especially. Cool. Uh, was there anything? Uh, anything? Oh, there was one last quote I had that kind of goes into my notes. So I'll use right. this to lead us in the notes. Is that that uh, I didn't realize until the second viewing that uh, Claire calls it the saga of Luke Cage. And I didn't realize, like I said, until I, I watched it the second time that he – told her his whole backstory because yeah. he talks to the fact that he was in Georgia and he had the yellow shirt on. And I didn't like, so I didn't realize until the second viewing that he's, he's talking about when his escape from prison, when he was, when he sees himself in the, the reflection of the car and he goes, Oh, you look like a idiot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's got the thing on his fool. head. Yeah. You look a damn <laughs> fool. He's got the, the, the head, the headband on, uh, that we know, we know that was kind of his uniform from the seventies comic book was the headband and the yellow shirt yeah. and the wristbands, you know, and he's kind of, and so that thought that he, he told her everything, like you said, he gave her his whole backstory. His history is really kind of interesting that he's opened up to her yeah. and, uh, uh, so I, I really liked that. Uh, Was there anything else that we uh, have not discussed? Well, you know, finding out that Cottonmouth was pretty much related to the councilwoman, yeah, Mariah, and how she def- defended him during the press conference, that was pretty interesting in the very beginning. 
And then Cottonmouth, knowing Luke's real name, you know, mm-hmm. he, he points it out during that interaction when they had that little parlay. Mm-hmm. And during the talk, he says mm-hmm. Carl Lucas, saying that he's, he's Harlem's Captain America, which they actually use a name from the MCU in this. It's about time, and it's about time. <laughs> you know, it was kind of strange and odd, but... I guess they got the they finally got the final okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. It's really interesting uh, that they finally used that. And when I heard that the first time, I went, huh? that's the first time we've actually heard them use a, a hero's actual real name. So I thought that was that was kind of cool as well. Um, I had a couple here that we kind of haven't brought up, and it was another one of those things that I didn't didn't realize it until the second viewing because I guess I just wasn't paying attention at the beginning sure. that Mama Mabel cut that kid's finger off. Yep. Um, I was just like, oh my goodness, his fingers on the table. And <laughs> I was just like, in that just amazed me. Cause I, I had not realized that in the first, the first viewing and all the, all the camera work that we showed that they showed Cornell's hands. There was a lot of hand camera work in this, in this episode, um, that I thought was, was very, very interesting and an interesting director's choice for them. Cool. I think that sums it up, correct? I think we got just about everything. So episode eight, uh, I really like, again, like I said, I like that we paired these two episodes together because episode eight, blowing up the spot, basically picks up right where the last episode left off um, with Luke shot and him and Claire trying to, es- to escape where they're at. We saw Diamondback's face, or who we're going to find out is Diamondback, and we see that he has that gun and he's obviously got the Judas bullets. And we finally realize exactly what those Judas bullets do. They do enter the body and then explode. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And similar to the last episode, this episode really only covers maybe one night. It goes from uh, him being shot in the evening to him coming out of the theater in the morning and getting shot again. So we have this, this episode kind of bookended with Luke getting shot so let me see. Mariah um, begins to embrace being the gangster that Mama Mabel uh, may have never wanted her to be, but maybe did. I don't know. I'm a little confused on that, whether Mama Mabel was really trying to groom her to be the next kind of the next head of the, the family. Nah. Claire, uh, you know, Claire tries to help Luke after he's being shot with the, the diamond bullet. Mm-hmm. We we see Diamondback, or excuse me, the Judas bullet. We <laughs> saw Diamondback at the end of the last step, and now we find out who he is and what his relationship is to Luke or Carl. And like I said, at the end, Luke is shot by the second Judas bullet. And uh, I really wanted to go on and, and see what happened, but I but I didn't. And this this just goes back to what I said earlier in in the podcast tonight that I really like how these shows are playing up the suspense, even though, spoiler alert, <laughs> most people know that there is a second season of Luke Cage. Most people should know by now that he is in The Defenders, which takes place after this this season. Yeah. So, uh, so we know intellectually that Luke is going to survive. Yes. I really like, though, how the writers and how the show has really given us some suspense with it, though. Because of not of we, I I want to know how are they going to fix this? Are they going to fix it? Are we going to see Luke in the future always 
kind of grabbing at his guts different times when those <laughs> things are moving around, kind of like an Iron Man thing where, you know, Iron Man has those pieces of shrapnel in him. And I, I think it's been cured now, but he yeah. had, you know, for a while he had that he had to wear that magnet on his chest to keep those bullet fragments from moving into his heart and his organs. That was the whole reason why he, the only thing that was keeping him alive. And I wonder if, if there's going to be a similar thing with Luke or if there's going to be a way for them to, to get those things out or if they're going to, going to come out the other side. I don't know. Is he going to poop them out? Maybe. <laughs> well, there's also the, uh, you have to add to it, the PTSD that Tony Stark had too. Well, Luke yeah. actually have this as well. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things to actually think about. Yeah, exactly. He can be hurt, exactly. and now, you know, for a while, he thought he was invulnerable because, and now, and now he's going to have to deal. Right, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that part of it. That he's going to have to deal with the the idea of knowing that he, that yeah, kind of like uh, if you if you compare it to the DC universe, kind of like when when Superman in the comic books met with the the real Doomsday, and Doomsday was able to actually hurt him. It, it just amazed Superman that wait I can be hurt, so I thought that was uh, that, that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, sweet Christmas. Um, what is your number five? My number five would be the aftermath of the Judas bullet with Luke and Claire by his side in the ambulance, <laughs> or Gypsy Cab, uh, yeah, as they called it. Uh, <laughs> she genuinely cares for him. And it's still not over when someone shoots a rocket at the ambulance. What in the sweet Christmas happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's it's great. She makes that that point of the fact that she uh, she says she called um, whatever a relative of hers. It's not it's uh, so it's not on the books. It's not going to go to a hospital. But yet it's now going to be public because even later on in the episode, Misty knows about this overturned ambulance. So uh, interesting, interesting stuff. My number five is the the Warriors quotes at the beginning. As soon as I heard Diamondback say, uh, say, come out to play. I was like, yeah, oh, my Luke goodness. Page or, yeah. <laughs> Carl yeah. Lucas. Yeah, he says, Carl Lucas. You know, or I think the first thing he says, is he does the can you dig it. And I was just like, that's from the Warriors. Yeah. And uh, so it was great. And, and Luke makes that statement about the Friday night drive in that uh, – uh, they, they used to go watch that at. Uh, yeah. I love that movie. I still watch that movie occasionally. That that I, whole there. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, there's yeah yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many things. That's a movie. We could we could spend a whole episode talking about that movie itself oh, because definitely. it's 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 created so many things that when you when you go back to it and you look at it that I don't know if John Carpenter meant it to be a it wasn't John a, Carpenter film. No, yeah, John Carpenter. Not John Carpenter. I'm sorry. The guy that did the thing. No, that is John Carpenter who yeah. did the thing. But I yeah. don't think he did the Warriors. Was 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 that? Oh, now I'm gonna have to look that up, and we yeah. have to cut it. No, no, uh, no, no. The Warriors was to cut Carp it. I thought the Warriors was a Carpenter's Carpenter. Okay, now I'm gonna have to look it up and see because I can't. I am. I am. I can't remember who drew. was it. Walter is he? Is it a Walter Hill one? I think it's one so. of those. It's one of those guys. It's one of those action. It, it was a very odd film for its time, and it mm -hmm. was very revolutionary for its time. And I always Walter Hill. Yeah, it's a Walter Hill. I'm sorry, it's yeah. Walter Hill, not not John Carpenter. I, I misspoke. No. Yeah, no, Walt Walter Hill did a lot. Was a director that did a lot of action movies. Forty eight, I believe that's Forty Eight Hours was his. Yep, and a lot of uh, those kind of 
of things. So he was known for that kind of action oriented. But there's a, a you know there's a lot of movies that since then have used that without without really referencing it. Yeah. There's a lot of filmmakers who still to this day point to that movie as as a you know one of their um, go to. Yeah, their go-to, one of their um, – gosh, the, the movies is escaping. The it's like the uh, format for them to yeah. actually do that. Yeah. Yeah, he did – oh, he did Southern Comfort, another one huge movie that I love. I have that on DVD. Powers Booth and the, the National Guardsman guys that are in the Louisiana Swamp. Uh, Streets of Fire, Extreme Prejudice. A lot of, Walter Hill did a lot of, of action type movies. So, yeah, I misspoke John Carpenter, Walter Hill. Uh, um yeah, which actually leads into my uh, my number four, which was the Warriors goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, from you know when the uh, the rocket launcher was set and the great callback. My suggestion to everybody out there: uh, I don't know if anybody has a PlayStation Two, but y- you could actually get the Warriors game. And I oh had wow! It, and I played it, and it, it's pretty fun. It, you get to play as the Warriors, and you have to go through the whole events and everything. And uh, nice. I, I love that game. I haven't played it in a long time, but when it came out, I was so jazzed for it, and I wound up getting it. The Warriors, uh, if you guys are out there and you love that kind of 70s and early 80s kind of movie vibe, especially when it comes to gangs and everything, but this was like more of a drama of a gang and how they were misrepresented and how they had to get from... Where was it? They had to go from the uh, where they one the one meeting? borough to Coney Island. Yeah, from Back to Coney where, Island. Yeah, yeah, from the Bronx. Was it the Bronx to Coney Island or Harlem to? Co- I can't remember what yeah. borough they were. What borough they started? Or like Central Park to Coney Island? I'm not sure. Yeah. Wherever that, wherever that. For those that don't know, the the plot of the the movie The Warriors is this this uh, street gang is part of a huge meeting of street gangs, and they get framed mm-hmm. for for killing this guy that was trying to organize all the street gangs. And so they have to get from where the meeting was back to their home turf. So that's cause that's the only place they can survive is their home turf. And uh, the whole movie is this, this journey. It's an epic journey. It's a Ulysses type journey of different boroughs and different neighborhoods that they're going through. And there's so many things, so many things have been influenced. That's the word I've been searching for for the last five minutes. Uh, so many movies and filmmakers have been influenced by, the Warriors. How many times have we heard that uh, come out to play? And uh, clinking bottles. And- yeah, the clinking the bottles, the can you dig it, the, the like I said, the come out to play is one that I hear a lot yeah. in a lot of TV shows and movies, and they barely remember to reference the Warriors in it, but it's that's where that came from. So. Go, go see Very it. It's a classic, and it's something that I always, it's like a hangout kind of movie I always did with my friend Jared Damola. And it's something that I always, like, reference as – it's something that we always appreciated as kids just to hang out and watch. But we Very were cool. in our 20s, 30s, and we still watch it every once in a while when we get together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those movies that transcends years. It's it's uh, it's I would compare it to the Blues Brothers. It's a movie that, that all – that different generations – can appreciate and and like so very good um my number four is uh, it's kind of simple but it's it's complex it's shades uh framing luke and then kind of directing mariah on what to do and how to act and what to say and mariah's being able to pull it all together to talk to misty but 
then the lies kind of start to come out because, you know, Mariah tells Misty that there's a VIP entrance. And yet the girl that they got to lie about Luke doesn't know there's a VIP entrance. So you're suddenly going, well, wait a minute, how come? And so it gets Misty asking these questions and she's starting to figure out these these lies. And then later on in the episode, Shades is talking to Zip and the other lieutenants who are trying to come into the club. And he says, no, Mariah owns the club and I'm in charge now. And he gives the guy some money and tells him to get a better wardrobe because he wants him to update his <laughs> his wardrobe because he's kind of in charge now so i thought that was that was interesting that shades kind of working behind the scenes to uh to to bring that that frame together and uh unfortunately it's it's a weird uh we'll see how far that frame goes yeah it's a, a definitely big transition of power you know mm-hmm. yeah i like that uh, my number three would be uh, Misty being the visualist and the CSI guy pointing out, pointing it out, and then it plays out in her head, and her reciting what she sees in her head, and that and that little scene, and I yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. I love that when the CSI guy says that he says, "Well, you're." She she says something about what happened here or something like that, and he says, "Well, you're the visualist. I'm just the the tech guy, or I'm just the evidence guy, or whatever." Yeah. So he's going around collecting the evidence, and she's like, "Okay, I need all the pictures because remember that's what we see her do. We see her put the pictures up on the wall, mm-hmm. and then she's able to kind of walk into." that the scenario and and so she realizes she goes okay the damage to his face couldn't have happened in the fall because it's not far enough so obviously what happened to his face was passionate it was personal it was somebody who really wanted to hurt him Mm -hmm. and so all these things are are fitting the bill with luke and then especially with the the vip hostess who uh who kind of lies about it and then they they find the gloves and, and Misty kind of goes back and forth about whether she suspects Luke or not because at first later on in the episode um, she meets with Claire and Luke and, and they have their exchange and she realizes that wait a minute th- this whole murder took place while Luke was shot. He couldn't have done the murder, and then she gets the phone call that says they found the gloves, and so then she tries to arrest him, but then Diamondback attacks, and so we, we get this Misty kind of going back and forth, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how what her future holds for for us uh, uh, going forward. So I like that, number three. Um, my number three is, is the attempted surgery by Claire and Luke kind of on himself. Um, <laughs> You know how are they gonna? How, how is he gonna get medical treatment? He can't. His his skin can't be cut. Yeah. And those bullet fragments are in Luke, and they're they're moving around. Claire said, and uh, she's looking at analyzing Luke's blood, and she says it's it's both elastic and um, hard, or however she puts it. I can't remember what yeah. scientific term she uses for it. That that they go right back together as soon as she tries to push them apart mm-hmm. and she can't figure out how is she going to do it and and Luke and then she reveals to Luke that the way she drained the pressure out of his brain was by sticking a needle in his eye <laughs> you yeah. know the only the only part of his body that had a hole so it makes you wonder how are they you know there's only so many orifices in the the body that are close to where these bullet fragments are i don't know yeah. uh, what what hole she's gonna go through to I don't know. Yeah, please, I don't please know. not the butt. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> but you know, and uh, that whole scene was gruesome when we hear the the scalpel scraping against his skin and, it and against and then it breaks. Yeah, and even he doesn't have enough strength 
to push it in there to to even open up a hole so that she can get at the fragments. And then when she sees it that that, that it's bullet fragments, it's not even a whole bullet. She's like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get these these things out. So I don't know if maybe maybe they can get a giant magnet, like I was talking about with with Tony Stark. Maybe they can get wow. a giant magnet and pull them through his skin. Hopefully. And and then hope he he can he, hopefully he'll heal after they're pulled out. You know if they can get them to pull out without damaging any other organs or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that surgery was was really really interesting to me. Um, I think we're at your number two. Yeah, my number two actually floats right into my number one as well. So I'll do this as a whole, okay. uh, and then you could go into yours, and it's pro. Very similar in a sense. It looks like our number twos are very similar. Yeah, so go ahead. Uh, the setup of Diamondback on Luke to go to jail. That was not seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show is all about family with Cottonmouth and his cousin who is in the community. And then Luke being uh, Diamondback's half-brother just to make him suffer because he was favored. Wait, Diamondback is Luke's <laughs> half-brother? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, they don't. He doesn't actually say half brother. He say, you know, it's it's a it's a weird exchange. It, it kind of goes right into my number two and and number one. Uh, you know, my number two is that fact that that Diamondback reveals that he's the one who set up Luke when he was a cop, got him to go to jail, kind of set up all those things that happened to him in jail, got him sent to the jail where they were gladiator fights. And so you get the idea that Diamondback knew about all that stuff that was going on at Seagate, except he didn't know about the superpower stuff. So now he resents Carl because he knows that Carl came out of Seagate with superpowers, which I find kind of interesting. It means that of all of our characters, Diamondback is the only one who figured out that Luke Cage is Carl Lucas. Apparently nobody else can put together a facial reconstruction. You know, shave your head. Shave your beard, and nobody can tell what you look like. Now I know I'm. I have different. I have a different appearance, whether my hair is long or short, or I've got a mustache or a beard or clean shaven or whatever. Yeah. But I'm still. People can still recognize me in some way. Know, yeah, I know. In some way. So I was. It was really interesting that Diamondback apparently is the only one in this in this world. Well, Shades finally figures it out. It takes him a while, but he's like Diamondback is the only one who like knew from the beginning. Like it, it's almost like as soon as he saw Luke Cage on the news, he knew that was Carl Lucas, and he put it all together of what happened at Seagate. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, of course, obviously something has happened to Luke's memory is the only thing I can think of. The fact that – because Luke keeps calling him uh, Willis, keeps calling him Willis or Stryker. I, I in fact, backed up those scenes because it, like, like it sounded like he called him a name. And sure enough, when he is holding Misty hostage, Luke calls him Stryker. And then later on in the episode, he calls him Stryker and he calls him Willis. And that's when Will, when the guy says, I prefer Diamondback. And then Luke says, well, that's because you're a snake. And then at the end, of course, as you were just saying, at the end, Luke says, I treat, I loved you like a brother. And Diamondback says, mm, I, I am your brother. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see if – if maybe, like you said, maybe it's a half brother situation, mm-hmm. and Luke and Luke didn't even realize that that they were half brothers. That he always thought they were just friends, you know, who yeah. were close as brothers. I mean, I have yeah. I have a friend of mine who is is 
he's as close to me as one of my brothers is, and oh, and yeah. I I call him brother all the time. And in fact, my apartment complex one time one point they he had come and, and was getting my mail or something for me, and they said, "Oh, your brother came by and picked up your mail." And I was like, "My brother?" And I went, "Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's not really my brother, brother, but he is my brother." You know, so <laughs> yeah. it was one of those one of those things. Um, I have that, that I too. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Jamie Garcia is the same way. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. We all have those. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. Um, I, and I love, like I already said, is just about the suspense that they've given us now, especially with that ending with Carl, you know, falling back into the trash, uh, the trash truck, and you can hear the bullet sizzling inside him again. Yeah. You can hear the bullet. So we know it, it's about to explode. Ugh. Um, and I had to add uh, to that. Yeah, I wanted to add to that. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you talk about how he was only, the only person to see him. It's like you were talking about how you could grow your hair long, uh, grow a mustache or a beard, and people will still who know you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about Superman. He always put on glasses, and nobody really <laughs> got the difference between Clark Kent you're and right, Superman. You're right. Changed his hairstyle, put on a pair of glasses, and nobody – I guess we just have to suspend our disbelief about certain things when it comes to comic, <laughs> uh, comic book heroes. Um, I, I had a couple of quotes that we didn't that we didn't mention yet, and then we can go into some notes. Sure. Um, Shades has that that really great line that I backed another line that I backed up because I wanted to to hear exactly what it was. He says the secret of every great lie is it has to run parallel to the truth. Mm. Thought that was a really interesting. And then of course when Diamondback is got Misty held hostage and uh, he says I'll hurt you later, he'll suffer more that way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That that's a hard one. Uh, I only have one, which is uh, Misty. Oh, have the mighty have fallen? <laughs> and the CSI guy, uh, Karma is a full mistress. Yeah. Misty, <laughs> Misty goes. She doesn't like to be a side chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All that. It, it, that's one of those things where you know Mariah makes that that statement about you're making jokes around the body and and you know, uh, oh, that was rough. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Are there any notes of things we didn't bring up already? Uh, you kind of brought up some of my notes about uh, Luke and Claire trying to get rid of the Judas bullet. You know, uh, yeah, uh, she had to use an X-ray. That's the only thing I brought out to see how to help. But uh, Luke, you know, even if he could penetrate his skin with the bullet, he it can't be touched. Uh, superhuman powers that have drawbacks. You know, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thought. That that whole idea of of what do you do when you, your, your skin can't be penetrated by normal things, but then you, something is found that can penetrate you. Um, and I think they alluded to that the Judas bullets are part of the alien or alien, uh, metal or something maybe that came from the incident. I, I can't remember, uh, how that came out, came about, but I think the only thing that we haven't brought up, I talked about the fact that that Luke was a was had a good alibi, and then suddenly he was a a suspect again. Um, we didn't really talk about the the internal the infernal repairs, internal affairs inspector <laughs> uh, being a sorority sister with Mariah. That's that's kind of interesting to see how that's gonna gonna play forward. I kind of looked up the trivia on that, and the the there's there is a specifically African American sorority. That they're alluding to in that whole discussion when uh, um, when Misty says something about your squee wee or or she says some weird phrase about 
the the two of them and according to the imdb trivia there's an alpha kappa alpha uh, aka sorority that's a kind of an african-american uh sorority that that uh people are involved in so i thought that was kind of interesting that we have these two we have this police inspector and then this councilwoman who's going to become a mob boss i believe anyway i think she's going to become a uh, boss of the gang eventually um and then of course mariah making those gangster threats against candace the girl that lied when they're in the car after she gives uh, candace the money and she says this can change your family's life your whole your life it can change your whole family's life and then she gets out of the car and shade says what if she doesn't hold it together and mariah just very casually says well then we'll kill everybody we'll kill all of them in the apartment and i'm just like oh my goodness she's full on taking on the gangster mode now she, yeah she's decided she's not going to be able to be a councilwoman they're they're making me quit so i'm just going to embrace the being the gangster um uh we talked about the fact that uh, the bullets do go and explode um yep that's it I, I i will say that i'm glad that i was wrong about bobby fish that he's not dying back now that still doesn't mean that he he has something going on behind the scenes but i'm glad that he's not dying back you know, <laughs> the, the reveal that Diamondback was somebody completely different who we didn't even know um is a great uh is a, is a great thing to have and it it propels us through the back half of this season which i thought was really great i i really think of uh bobby fish as being like the moral compass for luke at this point because we don't have pops anymore yeah yeah i'm glad we have that i'm glad we have somebody in the in the show who's not gonna be who's gonna he's kind of standing outside of it maybe he's the stan lee kind of of the show he's he's outside of everything the cops don't don't really talk to him don't really know anything about him the bad guys don't really talk to him don't really know much about him you know and i I found that was one of the things i found interesting with that character and i hope we get him going forward and into season two even uh because i want to learn some more about this character because he he is a, a really fascinating kind of background player to me in in the fact that every time the cops would come around he would kind of kind of slide out uh before any kind of intense investigation happened and kind of the same thing with even with the bad guys whenever the bad guys would come around he kind of slide out i think he's been to the the police station maybe once he may not have ever been to the police station which you would find very strange about somebody who's a witness to all these things so Okay, cool. Uh, interesting. Anything new in comics that we need to talk about? Uh, you had a few things. I do. I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated. <laughs> I love the Deadpool comics, and I'm getting frustrated about how many of them there are. And, and I understand that we have the same characters with different writers and different illustrators, but can we do something to just have one, <laughs> one, one book? You know, it just – I think that's why I stopped well, – buying and following comic books for so long because the, the 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 titles that i actually followed in the 80s and even into the 90s a little bit that i really have full runs of is uh there was a comic book that was dark was a dark horse comic i believe yeah. called scout it was called scout and it was about a, an american indian guy mm-hmm. uh kind of a futuristic a little bit dystopian futuristic kind of thing but it was just he was just one character it was one book 
there was nobody else that we didn't have any other books involved in it. He wasn't a team or anything. And then John Sable freelance, the same thing. He was just a, he was just a guy who just kind of existed. And, and we just got to see his life as a mercenary play out in this comic. And we didn't have to branch out into all these other things. And now there's like, there's like old man, Deadpool versus old man, Logan. There's like, <laughs> you know, there's like sister Wolverine or whatever it is, um, or, you know, there's like kid Wolverine. And then there's, there's like, you know, yeah. there's all these different Wolverines, all these different X-Men. There's, there's at least two right now, Deadpool titles out there. There's Deadpool and then there's Deadpool assassin. Um, I don't know. I, there's so many. Yeah. There, there's like Deadpool, uh, uh, kills the marvel universe uh there's deadpool with spider-man uh, yeah there, there was godzilla you know comics at one point and godzilla goes to hell and i'm like there's so many going on yeah my thought is always go to the one that you love the most and oh yeah stick with yeah. that one story and stay true to it marvel did that years ago so that they would allude to another comic issue uh in side notes up in the upper bar corner and right. it would force kids to go, oh, I need to get that issue. And then you would have to. And that was like in the 70s or, or something. Yeah, and in the 80s in the eighties, they did that. And they tried to keep the continuity kind of matching in the 80s, I think. I really was don't think it wasn't until the 90s and the 2000s, really, where we started to see where there uh, – apparently, I don't follow Spider-Man, so I don't know. But from what I understand, there's like one – one of the Spider-Man titles has him married to Mary Jane and another title has him married to somebody else and another title has him not married to anybody at all. And so you have three Spider-Mans out there that are basically three different universes. Yeah. And and this is what happened in the 80s or the, whenever it was that they did the whole crisis on Ultimate Earths and DC did it and Marvel did it where they yeah. had they had all these titles where everything was going crazy and they couldn't keep them straight. So they just collapsed them all and then started again. We're getting back to that kind of same thing here now. We're going to have this idea of, of there's multiple X-Men. There's you know We were talking about how we, we really love to see now that all of the – the titles are owned by one company to see if they could bring them together. But I don't know how they could do that and, and have the continuity yeah. be straight. Like, how do you bring Deadpool into the current MCU? Uh, actually, that broke you know. out today recently about uh, how Marvel and Disney were going to handle that. Um, they were going to leave it basically for those creators to do on their own. Uh, mm-hmm. There was talks originally for a Deadpool TV show. They kind of kind of swayed that idea and now mm-hmm. they're looking to do uh, an x-force movie at yeah. some point and they they were there was concern that marvel everything is almost between pg and pg-13 mostly pg-13 at this point so right. uh with deadpool it's strictly a hard r and mm-hmm. i think that marvel slash disney is going to be like here you do this it'll have the marvel logo on it but right. it's not going to be part of our apps or, or on our network for people to download because the majority of the people that do watch it are kids or yeah. families. So that way, if somebody really wanted to seek that out, they would go to Hulu, which I think Disney bought out. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, from what I also learned is that Netflix, all the Netflix properties are staying with Netflix uh, right. So Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Defenders, right. and Punisher, and right. Punisher will all stay within that realm as far as what they're doing. Right. But, so we're not going to see – we're probably not going to ever see a Thor 
Punisher matchup. We're not going to see a Doctor Strange. You know, we're not going to see the it, we're not going to see the the cinematic universe interact with the Netflix universe, which is I'm okay with that. I'm Same okay with here. that. It, but it is there could be a possibility uh, of all people that you can't really have in that MCU universe. <laughs> yeah, MCU is uh, Deadpool. There, there's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of you know. Right, the character you mean. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So you really can't push that into it and make it PG-13. Uh, mm-hmm. I could definitely see that they could try to make it more like Luke Cage or Iron Fist or possibly Punisher. But I'm not seeing Deadpool in any way. Maybe even no. Daredevil because Daredevil is uh, uh, pretty much a big, huge focal point in the uh, Marvel Universe in yeah. itself. No, I, I, I'd rather just see them – just keep them all separate. You know, even, even the X-Men. Let's just go ahead and keep the X-Men. You know, if, if you want to try – if they want to try to bring the X-Men continuity where it's at currently no, back into – uh, good. They, they announced it, so – Basically, there there's a lot of reshoots going on X Men Dark Phoenix right now. Mm-hmm. They're holding back on uh, New Mutants, which has already been filmed and wrapped and ready to right. ready to be released. But with all the talks that were going on, they're they're not going to release those just yet. Yeah. So I think what they're going to do is once X Men Dark Phoenix comes out with the Phase Four that's coming out, I think it is. Or is it phase five? I don't know. I'm confused with all the phases. Yeah, I'm 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 lost in it completely. It's so the, I, I had a conversation today with somebody and we, we couldn't really figure out what phase was what. Uh, mm-hmm. but regardless, they're they're looking to set that forth after uh, Infinity War. Well that's the thing. That's the thing right now. Everything that's in the that's in the can has to be has to be released. put into well, it has to be released before Infinity War part two and it it still has to exist prior to infinity war well, you know what i'm saying no they're going to start over they're actually going to end those series and then they're going to oh oh actually just ju- just do a whole new just do a whole new thing okay yeah, gotcha so gotcha when Fox okay so was bought out they're going to say okay uh, there's obviously there's no fantastic four but they will incorporate fantastic four right but it's not going to be any previously released fantastic four it's not going to be previously released x-men it's all going to be new characters and new right. actors yeah right and they're going to try to but are they going to try to fit them into the mcu yes oh see i just just don't even worry about it like comics don't worry about it just yeah. <laughs> you so, know, you know I, I just, Marvel's doing their own thing, which is pretty cool with the cinematic universe. But yeah. uh, you still have all those old movies to reflect, kind of like back in the day when you would see the old Captain America from the 70s into the 80s, the movies yeah. that they had in the TV series that was short. And then the 90s Captain America movie that was out that was pretty decent. It had, a, you know, even though the Red Skull was ki- Italian, <laughs> but uh, and then you had you know the Incredible Hulk then, and you had all these other things that would they you know the '70s Spider-Man. They, they don't go into any of that, yeah. so they're treating it as new. Uh, the work with Sony, what they're doing with Spider-Man is awesome, and how they're able to relate. I'm just hoping that sometime soon they would actually incorporate Venom in some way, in the realistic way. There's talks about or in like rumors about secret wars possibly creeping in in five years, but we don't know unless uh, they actually drop that bomb and we find yeah. out, you yeah. know? Yeah. Secret wars. That was another one that, that just, uh, 
it was a, it was fun, but it was just like, oh my goodness, there's so much thing. going on. Yeah, just um, another thing. But also with the the news that's been out and what came out today was the Fantastic Four was finally released today after years of being off the racks. So right. uh, we have a brand new Fantastic Four issue one that came out today. Uh, so they're starting fresh, uh, not really completely fresh. I didn't pick it up. I didn't see it. I was told, hey, you should get that. That's my favorite comic. I said, well, yeah. did they start it fresh and new? And he goes, no, but it's starting at a number one. So basically, they, I guess what they did in this comic is that the history's already been there, but this is start of a new Fantastic Four comic book yeah. as they are and they have their powers. Yeah, well, I may I may check it out. I I'm, I've got to go to my comic book shop tomorrow and pick up some stuff. I got to pick up Oblivion Song. The I, next issue of Oblivion Song came out. Today. Yeah, I picked that up today, and I haven't read it yet. But uh, I, I was surprised. I was like, oh, and oh, Deadpool and Spider Man. I thought I stopped that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I've got to pick up Deadpool and, and maybe Deadpool Assassin. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to follow both of them or just the one because Deadpool restarted at number one. After it went after Despicable Deadpool got to three hundred, yeah. So they they restarted Deadpool at number one, and then this Deadpool Assassin started at number one. And I thought it was going to be a limited run, but there should be a fourth issue out there somewhere now that I think is just going to be. So it's I got to decide if I'm going to do both of them or just one or or what. But so uh, yeah, everybody out there, uh, Spider Man uh, video game is coming out on PS4 soon. Uh, they have the limited edition uh, uh, Spider Man game uh, with the statuette and everything else. Uh, there's supposedly a hidden villain. I'm thinking personally that it's going to be ooh, Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it has something referencing the raft in it but obviously this is not part of the mcu so play the game get the game if you want uh i'm looking to get the game hopefully the special edition you get the statuette with him standing on a crate that says the raft on it but supposedly there's something hitting hidden within the crate itself mm. so i i would recommend getting that there's a lot going on as far as like we were just talking about with the mcu what's going on with that you know, keep listening, keep watching, keep reading. You know, there's a lot of things out there. Yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff going on. I've, I've got to get caught back up on Witchblade, on what's happening in that comic book. And uh, that's one that I like. I, I've liked Witchblade for a long time, and it's it's coming back out now. So, But, uh, all right, so how could they submit their feedback? Well, the best place to, to submit your feedback is on Facebook. We, are, we have a Facebook page called Panels to Pixels. Two is spelled out as T-O. So it's panels to pixels. That's on Facebook, or you can send us an email, panels to pixels one at gmail.com. And again, that's the panels to pixels. The T O is spelled out, and then the one is the number one. Panels to pixels one at gmail.com. We're working on a Twitter. Did you did we have a Twitter yet? No, we don't have a Twitter. No, we yet. don't have a Twitter yet. So so the panels to pixels Twitter that is out there is not us. So just to let you know. That would be um, probably the YouTube that's out there. And- yeah, it's the YouTube page. I, I look at it today uh, um, i recommend it you know i've been watching them and i really enjoy their videos on youtube so anybody out there that uh, subscribes to us uh please watch their youtube videos they're really awesome guys i love what they do and i i like how they update and they talk about the cartoons the video games the mcu itself too as well and they have their own opinions as well um, <laughs> i invited them on hopefully they will come on very so. cool 
Where, where can listeners hear you, Mark? Uh, I am a co-host on the Walking Dead talk through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. We will be returning next week after the mid-season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. I'll be on with Kyle Adams. And will we be talking about how the new season is going to go forth after every episode? So Absolutely. And you can hear me right here, of course. I also submit feedback to various other podcasts that are out there. I'm looking forward to talking about great TV. I always like talking about great TV. Um, right now, I would recommend if you're not listening to uh, – Ben Beck and Kristen Hall on our own Next Level Podcast Network and Podcastica doing a Lost Rewatch. Check them out. Also, check out Strange Indeed on Podcastica that's going through Castle Rock right now. Yeah, those are great episodes, and I love Rima and Sean when they do that. <laughs> They're doing great. They're doing yeah. great. All right, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this is Panels to Pixels. Good night. Good night. Good night.